0: Listening and making sound go together like breathing in and breathing out. Andrew McLennan with you in a listening room full of wings, water, wonderful wild cries and the very life breath of forests ancient as the hills. In the latter part of tonight's program, composer Hildegard Westerkamp invites us to journey to the inner forest, the forest in us, through her transformed environmental recordings from an old-growth rainforest in the Carbonar Valley on Vancouver Island. Half this forest has been destroyed by clear felling, and Westercamp hopes that hearing her composition will encourage visits to wilderness areas. Experiencing a huge stillness, not only among the trees themselves, but an inner space they give to us will transmit a very real knowledge of what is lost if these forests disappear. First to another forest full of life. Ewok Rama in Guyana on the north coast of South America has... 360,000 hectares of biologically diverse and pristine Amazonian rainforest. It's a unique place where a partnership exists between international bodies and indigenous people who have taken up the challenge of integrated rainforest management. It's committed to a sustainable experiment, including subsistence farming, timber production and ecotourism, demonstrating to other South American communities how to preserve their natural heritage while remaining economically viable. Program maker Gretchen Miller was drawn to the Guyanese interior by descriptions of the sounds to be heard in the forest, the surreal cry of the howler monkeys, the growl of the elusive jaguar, and the many and wonderfully varied bird calls. She was also curious about the Uwakrama International Centre for Rainforest Conservation and Development, She recorded interviews with members of the local tribe, the Makushi Amerindians, who told her tales, old and new, legendary and real, and sang her songs that have never been recorded before. And here, among forests ancient as the hills, enfolding sunny spots of greenery, we begin our journey, drawn in by the haunting sound of the howler monkeys at evening. The Mountain, Iwok Rama, by Gretchen Miller.
1: Pirai. What
2: is
3: pirai? You got one? Yeah. Is that a piranha?
2: Yeah. See the teeth? Yeah, they're not very big. This is the um, black one. The red one has more big teeth than this. There's a small ant.
3: Now I can see the teeth. Is he making that noise?
2: Yeah.
4: 220 miles from Georgetown, on the left hand bank of the Issekiba River, sits the Iwokrama Mountains. It dominates this, the southern half of the Iwokrama Reserve and it's approximately 1,000 meters high above sea level.
1: Zero pe it is a lu yao. Zero pe it is a lu yao. Ewa urape Ke makonabai komirua. Ke makonabai komirua. Ke makonabai Ke makonabai komirua. Se it is peete se yo, e wala wala yo. Se lo peete yo, ke magkona pa'y ke ke it is a it is it is it is Mm-hmm. a okay, little this um, song is
5: saying that um, a person, they get accustomed to another tribe of Amaranjan community, customs, right? So he was sad to practice another people's culture, you know. He's, he was sad and saying yeah. this song.
4: This tree here, this is the yari yari tree. Use this, um, the small ones and straight pieces to make fishing rods you know instead of buying those big fancy things from the states or some we use this to make the fish you know it, it has a, a good spring to catch the fish mm-hmm. you also use the bark for diarrhea you scrape you scrape off this here cut off piece of the bark and boil it and have two teaspoon depends on the age of the person you don't take too much because you'll get piled up <laughs> here. This tree is one of the most poisonous trees we have. This is a, the aromata tree. Bark, the leaves and everything. Mostly the bark though. If you could smell it, you could actually smell the poison in it. If you have like a stream or calm water and one of these mm-hmm. trees okay. fall into the water, everything would die. Fish, everything would die because this would eventually get rotten in the water. Also, the, if the animals come to drink, you know, the agouti and stuff, they would also get diarrhea and die slowly. But this is one of the most poisonous trees we have.
3: I used to stay with my grandparents, and you know, so they, he used to like be mostly in the forest and this kind of things. No? And from him, you know, I learned like most of the medicinal trees and so. Plus, uh, he teach me some of the calls of birds. You know, just like listening, and he tell me that is that bird. You know, and sometimes he would like be imitating or telling stories. But then he died and gone, so I I just left with what I know. Then they like had like, um, a story with the, the police where they had the police dance, there's a story with the birds, the police and the trumpeter, the two had party and they invited some animals and so came in and they had this big function, so he had the, the police and the trumpeter they they were on a dancing competition, so they started dancing, dancing, and the police had on a white suit, nice long suit, and the trumpeter had on a, a black, a black suit. So they were dancing, and they had this competition, and the other rest of birds and animals were just clapping for this police, the the Curacao, because she was dancing much more better than the, the trumpeter. So the trumpeter didn't like how the Kuroso was dancing, because you know, the people, the, the address of the and animals were more in favor of the police, like how she's performing and these things. So they it had like campfires around, and like a lot of ashes and so. So bet- between the two dancers, you know, a, a fight broke open, so the, the trumpeter gave the Kuroso a shove, and the Kuroso went straight into the fire, borne up all her nice white, <laughs> clothes, and so by the time the people get to halter her, it's just a little part of her didn't burn, which is the bottom part, like, because she fell on her back, and all of this was born to black, and just a little piece at the bottom was white. After the Kurosu get up, she decided to, like, give a fight back, so she gave her a push, so she went a little and fell by her back into the ashes. Which was not uh, like the blazing fire that they cure so far, and but it's just like coals and ash at the bottom there. So she had just had a little burn on her back, and that left like gray. So that's the story within the poet and the um, trumpeter.
4: <laughs> okay, you see this tree here. This is a special tree. This is the mora tree. Commonly found in flooded forests. You see the big buttresses that it has. It has to have the, the big buttresses to keep it steady. When wind blows, it won't break down easy. Hunters also use this. They use it as a signal. If you and a partner and your partner just goes straight away and look for something else, instead of saying whoo or whistling, animals would know that humans are around. So you just signal by hitting the spur. You call the spar, the buttress. It's the spur we call it. So one would one would hit it, and the other one would reply. There's, there's the signal. Say, so, oh, he is in that direction. I would head that way. If I don't find him, I hit again. You he would hear a reply, and that's how they use the spore for signalling in the forest.
6: I was a trapper too. But then when I saw what the Brazilians were doing, I couldn't really stand it because we had permits to do trapping, but you had specification like you couldn't kill a black caiman under two meters. You shouldn't shoot uh, a um, female if you see them with cubs or um, anything. You try to shoot the male only. But the Brazilian had no... Um, No system, anything they would kill. And one day we met a guy on the river. And we asked what he was doing. He said, just following a pack of otters and see where they're going to sleep. And then he'll smoke them. So we decided we would observe what he's doing since we were trapping too. And then in the late evening, he said he found out where they are and they're sleeping. So he returned. Well, we didn't come too far, too. so in the night when he went to do the um, smoking, we went and looked on. So what he did, he normally walked with a lot of fine twigs, a little kerosene or um, gasoline in a bottle to start a quick fire. And he would get green leaves of certain types of wood which would smoke and has a reasonous scent that, you know, can make you cough start the fire quickly, puts the green leaves, and then he used this crushed pepper. Which, um, Brazilian call it ajikitai, Age- the Makushis call it turini, And he would sprinkle it on it and fan the smoke in, and you hear the authors coughing in there, and they start to stop it. When the coughing stop, he takes out the fire and allow it to cool off, and then it goes. Eh? But he was killing everything, the pups and everything was killed. And I asked him why he's doing this. He said, they use it for the coating. They use the felt really for winter jacket for the inner coating in places like Russia and Greenland, places where you have heavy ice. Huh? And he said, the young pup, the skin is very soft, so they use it for the neck of the jacket, so it can be nice. I said, but you shouldn't do it. He said, well, it's money, he wants money. The other guy again, he was killing kaiman, even the small ones. So I asked him what. He said, well, that is what carries the price. One of those is equivalent to one of the others, because they, it, when it makes ladies' slippers or shoes, it's very soft and it's very expensive. You make research bonds or wallet, force and this kind of thing. And that is why it carries a heavy price. I said, but if you kill all these young ones, in a short while they were, no, you say, you go somewhere else. Well, after we returned in December ni- um, '67, I reported the matter to the police. And the SO in charge, he wrote the Commissioner of Police, and then right back. And surprisingly, within a week, they sent and asked me if we can... Um, If I can work with them to do wildlife protection, I say sure, why not? And I started with them. By uh, being a trapper, I knew how they operated. And within six months, we were able to get them out of the place. And we had things under control. Things were going good. People had started to respect the land. Now Yokrama is trying to do something about it. And we are trying to get the communities to understand how important... Our resources are. They're very important but people don't look at it that way.
1: Um, Parishara, uh, Parishara, Sunny, to another poi ye, to one This partial song is a um, saying
5: about birds. This partial song,
1: right?
5: Mm. I'm saying um, the birds, for the birds above um, river, mm. the river, <coughs> type of dance <coughs> that we traditionally, we don't have um, those things now That's why we say in our culture, you know, we forget about our own culture and practicing uh, Indian and Brazilian and, mm. you know, English music and forgetting mm. about our own songs.
1: <coughs> that's why we, say, um, we are <our> <own> Our people sit on the green heart tree for a king of the forest is seen.
7: It was really hard for the old people, especially when they meet the small children going to school and whenever they're going home from clinic or wherever they went, they meet them on the road and they try to speak to them and they would answer them in English where old people cannot really understand English. My children, for example, none of them weren't speaking my language. They could have understand a little, but they weren't speaking it. And furthermore, um, teachers in schools, the children were not allowed to speak Makushi, just English. So from there, they forget about their language. So we asked ourselves if we could bring back our language. Since then, I started to speak to them, and it was a surprise to them. When I start speaking to them, they understand because my children are speaking my language now. Yes, it is really nice, though, all of them. One of the researchers from Arniputa, I think she had her last baby speaking her language from baby. Yes, that's <laughs> nice.
2: there right? The um, bird, the same green pendula it was like traveling through the forest and it met up with um the iguana and it, the iguana was sad and the bird asked the iguana what happened and it wouldn't uh, respond. So um, keep asking why, why you are sad and it wouldn't respond. So the bird just like in, in order to like get back the iguana happy, it just like um, did uh, make the song and it it raised up the tail right and it carried forward its head, it beaten through like pop pop, pop 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 and go forward and like, you know like it made a funny movement and then made the song and that's what made the iguana happy again. That is the really.
4: How they imitate the jaguar they have a special equipment they make a special tool they make it out of akuri skin you know shoot the agouti you know the red rump agouti is a rodent one of the rodents you find in in the forest the jaguar love to feed on the same animal though. so you, you shoot the agouti you skin it you put the skin to dry and then you have a, a nice milk tin or a carve out a hollow wood so you put this skin over this thing and you tie it tightly with, with a string or something so it would have this this call and then this equipment now you would use the call in the jaguar while you're on this, in this hide make with local bush and so. and when the person is sitting here the, the shoot man, the gunman or the arrow man would be sitting high above and the, the person would be Like this, because it's at ground level. Jaguar won't call high up. Jaguar would call more lowly because this is the size of a jaguar. So he would he would begin by.
6: would make your hair stand and end as if you get a meal, and he responds. Well, then you, <laughs> it's quite, uh, hair raising, Something I had that experience, and it can be <laughs> very scary, because one of the things the, with the jaguar, when he would do that, <laughs> he would put his mouth close to the ground. And it travels, and you really can't pinpoint, say, oh, he's at this end, or he's this way. It sounds like he's all around you. And I think that is one of the ways in how he demoralizes other animals and get, you know, get them scared, and sometimes they believe they're running away from him, and they run into him. (laughs) And then to look at one face to face at about five meters, it's not really um, welcoming. <laughs> you have to have guts because if you don't face him and you try to run, he would leap on you. But once you look at, stare at him, you have to keep your eyes on the ears. Once the ears is thrown in front, he's picking up songs and he's still doubtful. But once you see that ear go back, he's about to leap. I had a very close one killed the dog and I went and I go. there was a tree with a vine on it and I went to duck under the vine and as soon as I raised up the other side, there was a jaguar about two meters away. And I had my gun and I pulled back, you know, with this sudden suddenness and fright all in the mix up. I pulled back and my fingers pulled the trigger. And it went off. I didn't shot him. It went off. So he leaped and he went away. But it was very scary. I never had a closer one and-
4: Okay, you see this this big nest here, this this long hanging nest here. You call it the fuku ants. The Armenians use it for the dog. We love dogs to hunt with. We depend on them to catch animals or run on animals, so we could shoot them with our arrow and bows and eat them. Right. So without without a willing dog, it's like going in a canoe without a paddle or going to paddle in a canoe. You forget your paddle. So. You have to get willing dogs, love to hunt. You know, as soon as you go in the bush, they must run behind animals and stuff. This ant's nest here is for making your dog hunt, being a willing dog. You know, you have some dogs, love to go under the firing pan or in the ashes, just lying down, only waiting for when they hear your plate knock and they're hustling for come and eat food, right? But we don't want any kind of dog. We want the one who could hunt, bring in animals, then they would get the food. So, this ants now, when you have a lazy dog, you, you bring it to a, one of these ants' nests and just chip a little piece of the ants' nest, let it drop on the dog's back, right? And then this dog would start behaving and getting and start eating up and stuff like that. Then you lose the dog and the dog would go running wild through the bush, in and out, scratching, digging, booting up on trees. From then on, the dog would always be willing, anytime he hit the bush, Strip to an animal is running, catching on you know, any wild animal you talk about, the dog would become a good hunting dog. There's the usefulness of this. these ants. They only look simple but they're very important.
1: kae muni Olam Murua. Murua. mulu no tinali e giringa dhemu mulu ono mtafuleteli no onde no one bit medicuno bya
5: tikin
1: muye amane pratam bit kachulu no bya here. kuya yurutu no liktonga one cent okay
5: ane
1: okay. uh-huh.
5: A person named Macpeora um, probably Dude. lost his money, right? And he was wondering will, um, where he lost his money. So he started saying, wondering how he could find back his money. That was a um, coin <laughs> that he lost. One coin he sent for.
7: Wanubu, Moropai, Iku Nebe Pugru, Prupai Wanubu. Many, many years ago, there once lived on a mountain an evil spirit being named Okraima. Okraimu loved hunting and he was so accurate with his bow and arrow that no bird, animal, or fish that peeped out at him could escape. During that time, there also lived two brothers, super beings in nature, named Enshkirang and Anige. They too were excellent hunters. Enshkirang and Anige built a hunting hideout on top of Kuribu Mountain so that they could check on the animals that frequently came to that spot to drink water. So Enshkirang and Anige went to their hideout and shot a kuri, deer, and other animals and birds. While they were still there, they heard a strange sound coming towards them. Wo 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 closer and closer. Anige pleaded with his brother to allow him a glimpse of this evil being. Inshkirang, in return, begged his brother not to look out, but Anige got his wish and peeped through a small hole in the leaves. Instantly, Okraimu shot Anige's finger, and in that instant, Anige died. Okraimu then demanded of Enskilang the body of the dead Anige. In turn, Enskilang threw down one by one the deer, akuri, and other animals which he and his brother had killed on their hunt. But Okraimu was not satisfied and kept on demanding Anigin's body. With tears in his eyes, Nshkirang finally gave up his brother's body and threw it down to the waiting Okraimu. Satisfied, Okraimu collected his prize and started for his home on the mountain. Suddenly, a Marbanta friend met the crying Nshkirang Inskirang asked his friend to help him track down Okraimu. The trail of dripping blood led Inskirang and his friend to the mountain top where they met the mother of Okraimu with Anige's body already in pieces in her pot and ready for the fire. Okraimu was not at home. he had gone to the creek to bathe. Inskirang killed Okraimu's mother, gathered up the pieces of his brother's body and replaced them in the pot with the pieces of the woman. Inskirang made good his escape from the mountain before Okraimu returned from burying. Far from Okraimu mountain, Inskirang put his brother's body parts together, all the while singing and praying. As he slowly dripped Anige's blood back into the body, Anige once again came to life. From that time on, the mountain has been called Okraimu.
6: One of the features of this small community here is that traveling the day in the forest, you come in and then suddenly it comes out into this open savan. It's like, you know, like uh, something taking off you, uh, a weight off your back, you know, you come out in the light again. And that's one of the features of this place. Many people realize that sensation, that kind of feeling. And I found this out quite some time ago when we were working. I spent about two months working in the forest. And then when we came out, I felt that same feeling, just like a weight was now. you know. It felt so clear. And then the nice wind blowing, was so nice. And then the mountains around, good scenery.
0: The Mountain, Iwok Rama, by Gretchen Miller. You heard the singing voice of Peter Moses, translated by Zacharias Norman, and stories told by Fred Alicock, Ron Alicock, Bradford Alicock, and Benita Roberts. With thanks to the people of Surama and Anai, and to Vitus and Anthony, who with Ron Alicock were our forest guides. Special thanks to David Castles, then Director General of the Iwokrama International Centre for Rainforest Conservation and Development. Sound Engineer, Stephen Tilley. Production for The Listening Room, Gretchen Miller. In a few minutes we enter another kind of old-growth forest in a composition from sounds recorded on British Columbia's west coast. Beneath the forest floor moves through the visible forest into its shadow world, its spirit, into that which affects our body, heart and mind when we experience forest. To introduce the piece, Here's a conversation I recorded with composer Hildegard Westerkamp at the All Ears Conference in Kassel, Germany in 1997. There she ran a workshop on silence and sound. Listening and making sound go together like breathing in and breathing out.